Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here solo for the final hour, taking you until 4 p.m. Eastern as we do each and every weekday our new time slot. 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern here for the second straight week. Of course, you can listen to the show on demand anytime you want. If you can't listen live, follow me on Twitter at Adam Ronis on the gram at Aaron 88 and check out all my work, scoutfantasysports.com. And we have a ton of content up for you right now. Dr. Ertl has his Super Bowl preview. We have our Vegas Whispers Super Bowl sharp prop bets that you can take a look at now. We have Fantasy NASCAR preseason driver rankings, number one to number 15. And we also have an extensive Fantasy Baseball draft kit that is already flooded with a lot of articles. Uh, Sean Childs, he's one of the best high-stakes players around. He is going in-depth looking at all the Major League Baseball teams from a detailed outlook, breaking down all the players, giving the stats and trends that you need. And as the free agent signings happen, and hopefully there's more to come, he will update those accordingly. He has already finished with the American League, so you can go and get a free sample of the Red Sox and the Orioles. And he has already started to hit the National League with the Atlanta Braves and the Miami Marlins as the latest teams up there. There's also strategies for auction leagues, statistical categories to target in your drafts. And I'm taking a look at a lot of different players that have changed teams and what it means for their fantasy value, like Nelson Cruz, Yasiel Puig, Sonny Gray, and a lot more. Also looking at Jesus Aguiar. He had a breakout season last year. Was that for real or was it a fluke? Should you be drafting him? Also, my latest article today is a look at Jamison Tyon, the Pirates' young right-hander who emerged last year to one of the better pitchers in the National League. Will that continue in 2019? You can read that article now. It's all part of our Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit. Dr. Otto has a FSTA draft review. He's in the middle of that slow draft there in rounds 22 somewhere in that area so it should be done soon uh so a lot of content there uh, for all you fantasy baseball lovers as we get you set to dominate for the upcoming season and of course there's scoutdfs.com with pga nhl nba and nfl it includes optimizers and slack chat where you can ask your questions leading up to lineup lock and you need that more than ever with the nba right now because we have so many players being ruled out late and again if you play on a site with late swap you gotta pay attention to the last minute and we saw it yesterday you know i was uh assuming okay it was like that was like 10 p.m i was like okay everything's good you know i haven't heard anything fortunately i was on twitter and i see clay thompson ruled out due to illness i'm like what that wasn't even talked about or or seen anywhere and I had Clay Thompson in a Yahoo lineup, so I had to quickly make that change. They do have late swaps, so 
you got to pay attention. You know, obviously, if you're on a site like FanDuel where it locks early, you don't have to worry about it. But you got screwed yesterday if you played Clay Thompson, and that does turn some people off. And we haven't really seen it happen too much this year in the NBA, but it's part of it. And you you have to understand that when you play in a, on a site with the uh, early lock where you can't make any changes. Now, the fortunate part is FanDuel made the adjustment this year. For those that haven't played and are not familiar, FanDuel for basketball, it drops your lowest score. So on one hand, it's great. Okay, well, well, you have Thompson in your lineup, but it's a zero. Okay, it drops. But you could have constructed your lineup where you maybe you played someone near the minimum that you didn't expect to get too many minutes, maybe 15 minutes, and then all of a sudden uh, you were hoping that would be your lowest score. Now that score counts, and maybe it's a, a 10 or a 12, and it really hurts you. So there's positives and negatives with it. And the other thing that was a little shocking was LeBron James played last night. He was listed, well, the, the status changed from, you know, he we thought he wasn't going to play, and then it was doubtful. And he wound up playing. So that also changed things. I had to make some changes with my Laker lineups as well. And Kyle Kuzma played. So there are going to be nights like that. There will be nights where you have the advantage and you don't have exposure to those players. So you have to understand that when you're playing NBA. And it is not for everyone. I like it. I play on late swap sites. So I'm able to follow it. If I know I'm going to be out on a given night and won't have access to make those changes, I just won't play. And that's what it comes down to. Do you have time that night? to give attention to your lineup. If you do, fine. If you don't, then just don't play. Uh, again, uh, you heard Frankie on earlier in the first hour. Uh, VegasWhispers.com, is, uh, there's an article there with a lot of the uh, prop bets that the Sharps are looking at. So if you use promo, promo code CORONAS50, you get 50% off your first month. And for the season-long league at ScoutFantasySports.com, Batch50 gets you 50% off your first two months. So we got a lot more to talk about here during the show coming up. In the next segment, I'll be joined by Steve Renner, Scout DFS. We'll talk the Super Bowl with him. He's a Saints fan, so he's had a couple weeks to digest that. We'll talk about the Saints and his thoughts there, as well as uh, some new DFS slates that DraftKings is rolling out this weekend. But want to continue to talk a little bit more uh, about the trade here that went down with uh, Chris Tapsport. Now, we talked about it from a real-life perspective, but what does it mean for fantasy? Because we have a lot of moving and changing parts. And, you know, yesterday, Dallas was on the slate. And, you know, that really changed things. I, I wanted to play Dennis Smith yesterday. Uh, he was 14 bucks on the out, but obviously the trade, he didn't play. So it opened up a lot of value on the Dallas side. But unfortunately, a lot of them didn't hit. The best one was Harrison Barnes. And I know some people probably didn't want to play Barnes because we've seen him really struggle this year, not play well. But you knew based on the roster construction last night that he was going to have to take a lot of shots. And he did, taking 24 shots. So he was fine, but the rest of the guys were just not that good. And I didn't have exposure across the board, but I did have Brunson in one lineup, and I knew it was stupid. I mean, when I did it, should have stayed away. I uh, had Barnes in two, uh, Maxi Kleber in one, Powell in one, uh, and it wasn't great. You know, uh, Finney Smith I had in one. So if you kind of avoided that and just went with Barnes, you did well. So it's a trap that, you know, we fall into a lot. In cash games, it's fine uh, because their ownership is going to be high. So if they dud, it's not going to crush you. But in tournaments, it's not ideal because you know they're highly owned and there's a good chance that those guys will not reach the value and disappoint. And if that does happen, you have a huge advantage on the field. So I probably went 
too much Dallas value last night, and it hurt. And we're going to have the same scenario tonight with the Knicks, which we'll talk about later on when I preview the DFS late. But from a fantasy perspective here going forward, uh, obviously for Dennis Smith, this is really good going to New York. Uh, It's not a good team, obviously, but he's going to get a lot of run and a lot of opportunity. His usage rate is going to skyrocket here. Um, We knew that Dallas wanted him out. Uh, He wasn't going to handle the ball much when Doncic was active. And they clearly were trying to get rid of him. Everyone knew it. So he's going to get a big opportunity to play. It hurts Emmanuel Moutier, who's been dealing with a shoulder injury, but it's going to be Smith Jr. running the show. And, uh, you know, his usage rate was around 22% with Dallas, and that's going to go up, I would think, potentially 5%. Uh, He does turn the ball over a lot, so you have to take that into consideration in leagues that count turnovers. And uh, he will miss a lot of shots. And he's going to be given the opportunity to shoot a lot. So the field goal percentage won't be great. But as you saw the other night, he had a triple-double. That was against the Knicks, too. Now, he doesn't get to play the Knicks anymore, but he could put up points, rebounds, assists, steals. So we've seen the point guards actually produce here uh, in this uh, under David Fisdale in New York. Like, we've seen Trey Burke at times play well, Emmanuel Moutier play well at times. So good move here for Dennis Smith. I doubt he's available in many leagues. He was probably picked up, but if he's somehow available in yours, certainly pick him up. We see Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan going over to Dallas, but both are on expiring contracts, and you have to think that they're going to be bought out and land up land somewhere else because the Knicks are clearly tanking here, and uh, they're going to play a lot of their younger players. So uh, it hurts their value for now. We'll find out where they go. You know, Alonzo Trier is an interesting young player. He's had some big games recently. So I think he has an advantage here where he'll get more time. Uh, He's done well when he started this season. Uh, Won't shoot well, but he can score. Uh, He can hit the three, and the opportunity is going to be there. And Damian Dotson probably will be another guy that could get an advantage as well. Uh, But it's clearly not good for DeAndre Jordan. We've seen what they've done with Enos Cantor. And, uh, you know, Mitchell Robinson, they want to play more. We know he's been prone to foul trouble. So uh, the Knicks are just a team, as I've talked about this past week, like I've kind of just stayed away from them in DFS. And uh, I probably will for the most part. I mean, I'll, I'll like Smith as long as his salary is cheap and the matchups are right. But there's definitely some uh, question marks here for them. As far as the Mavericks, uh, obviously, Uh, Luka Doncic is going to control the ball quite a bit uh, on the offense. They'll probably start Jalen Brunson at the point guard, but he's just not good. Uh, Even last night, you know, most times, oh, starting point guard, minimum on Yahoo. Yeah, plug him in. And it took a lot for me just to get him in one, and I didn't want to do it. But I said, ah, what if he does come through? And obviously he did not. So really not a fan for him. Doncic already has big fantasy value. And... uh, Really, the guys that you're going to look at is Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber. Uh, Powell's been good on a permanent basis this year. So my guess is you'll see them kind of mix and match. But Powell is probably the f- preferred guy. I think uh, Kleber has some offside. He's shown the ability to block some shots. So he'll get some time there. Uh, obviously, Harrison Barnes will continue to do what he does. He's just not an exciting player. And uh, I doubt we see... Porzingis this year. Maybe there's a chance we see him later in the year. Obviously, Tim Hardaway goes here, and it's not great. 
for his value either. Uh, kind of the same. I mean, we saw he had more opportunity with the Knicks, and he'll have the occasional game here or there. But uh, I think Kleber and Powell are the two guys to add if you're looking at anyone on Dallas. So this, it changed the slate yesterday. It has changed the value of some players going forward uh, the rest of the way. And uh, certainly it was stunning because we were talking about this yesterday uh, in the middle of the show and the rumors came out about Porzingis. Then all of a sudden, uh, as we headed into the final segment, we found out that Porzingis was indeed dealt. So it was definitely stunning for sure. I want to give some more thoughts here on the Super Bowl. And I do think this is a game that should be very competitive. As I've said, I don't really have a strong feeling on either side. I am leaning towards the Patriots right now. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with their experience and Tom Brady and Belichick. And how will the Rams get off in this game as far as the start? Because this is a different environment. There's a lot of pregame hype that's been built up for two weeks. And how will Jared Goff and the young Rams handle it? And I think that's going to be key. I mean, we did point out earlier how the Patriots have gotten off the slow starts in the Super Bowl. So it might be that way on both sides. And, you know, one of the interesting prop bets that I have seen is the uh, under uh, 10.5 for the first quarter. So, you know, that could be something if you think both teams get off to a, a slow start. But I do feel like the Rams have a lot of talent. They they really do. And I would not be surprised if they won. But the key is, are they going to be able to get pressure on Brady? That's going to be the biggest key in this game. And we've seen it in the past. When you're not able to get pressure on Tom Brady, he's going to carve you up. The Rams have had pressure on 30%, 6% of their pass plays this year. But a lot of it's from the interior. Are they going to be able to get someone on the edge to put pressure on Brady? We saw in the first two playoff games against Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, they didn't get to Brady. D. Ford, Chris Jones didn't get to Brady. Brady has not been sacked. In the postseason, he's only been hit three times. If you give him that much time, he's going to tear you up. So I think that's one of the big keys because I don't know if the Patriots are going to have as much success on the ground running the football. I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, Rams have just been really good in the playoffs, and they've also been good since Aqib Tlaib came back. And I think that's the difference. We look at this Rams defense for most of the year, and it hasn't been great. And you look at all the pieces and the individuals, and the talent, and Wade Phillips as defensive coordinator, and you're wondering, why isn't this team better? Well, they have been uh, since they've been healthy. Uh, obviously, Aqib Tlaib was out for a while. With him out, they allowed 8.5 yards per pass attempt. With him in, 6.5 yards per attempt. We saw how they held Michael Thomas in check in the NFC Championship, so they've done a really good job, and the key, though, is they got to put pressure on Brady. If they don't get to Brady, it's going to be ugly. And if they are able to get to Brady, knock him down, get him out of his rhythm, then they're in a really good position to win this game. Uh, and, of course, they have to run the football. And that's where this whole Todd Gurley situation comes in. You know, I've been thinking the entire time that he's hurt. But the one thing that sends me in the opposite direction is that he hasn't been on the injury report. Because if they find out later that he's injured and he wasn't on the injury report, Rams are in big trouble. There's huge repercussions to pe to play. So uh, 
Gurley could be a, a key ingredient here for your player props. Uh, I do like the over on three and a half catches for him. I don't know if I'm going to touch the yards because I'm not sure where I stand. But if you think the Rams are going to win this game, I think Todd Gurley has to play a big part in it. it he really does, and especially in the passing game. So uh, a lot of people, I think, might stay away from those prop bets. And as I mentioned before, and I stand by this, I think Rob Gronkowski has a good game here. I think this is going to be his last game. I think he retires. You can tell. When people have asked him, he has not said no. Usually if a guy's not going to retire, they'll be adamant about it. Or they'll say, oh, I'm not sure. He's kind of danced around it. He talked about extensively how difficult it has been for him to be healthy week in, week out. The grind and how tight ends have to block a lot and everything that goes into it. So... Sometimes you have to read between the lines, and especially if the Patriots go out winners. I think this is it for Gronk, and I think he has this two weeks uh, to get ready, and I think he's he's going to have a good game. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, plus 170 to score. I like that for Gronk. I think he scores in this game. We've seen the Rams at uh, times have trouble defending the tight ends, and I think Gronk is going to be a big piece of this game. So. Those are low props on Gronk, and you can understand why. He really hasn't done much, but he had one of his better games last week. He had a big catch with a game on the line, so I think he scores a touchdown this week. When we return, I'll be joined by Steve Renner, ScoutDFS.com. We'll continue to talk to Super Bowl, props, DFS. That's all ahead right here. Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. It is Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com, as we get you set for fantasy baseball season. If you enter the promo code BATS50, you get 50% off your first two months. Joining me now, it is Steve Renner from scoutdfs.com. Steve, what's up? How's it going, Adam? Pretty good, man. Uh, We haven't spoken for a couple weeks, and I know it's been rough as a Saints fan, and you said you were at the game. So uh, just kind of give me your thoughts on what went down with the Saints and how you've recovered two weeks later. Yeah, I think everybody's been avoiding me uh, <laughs> for, for good reason, including my family, right? Uh, look, yeah, I was at the game, and the first thing I'll tell you is the play was right in front of me, and in the stadium, um, First off, you heard the contact. You you heard the contact. It was you know just a, a vicious hit, which was that is something really stood out to me. But there was a an a just kind of an an element of you, you hear people they talk about when they're like in an accident or something, and they talk about for a few hours afterwards that that they were just in shock. Like it's like 
you realize just what just happened to you, right? You know, you just got, you know, get ran over by a car and, and, and you're still alive. And the saints and, and even the crowd and everything to me really went into an element of shock in that game. And, and I even heard Drew Brees do an interview today and he used that word shock there that he said they had it for a couple of days. Um, and I just felt like that if, if that play happened at the end of the first half, let's say, um, there's enough time for the team to kind of go through, process it. Okay, we got to move on. We got to adjust. But they never had that ability. And it was almost as if the play happened and the game was over uh, completely. Now, the, the play itself, what I'll say is that there's been a lot of talk about it. I've heard a lot of just stupid things said, you know, from – is that people complaining that the Saints should have ran the ball. They shouldn't have. There, there would have been too much time for the Rams to come back. People said they shouldn't have thrown it to Tommy Lee Lewis, which I think is just absurd. But the one thing that from the officiating and people talked about replay and all this other stuff is I want to know why the call wasn't made. Because if you tell me that the call wasn't made because three officials, let's say, didn't see it, then I would say, okay, we need replay or we need an extra official on the field to be able to, to help identify these things. Because, yeah, it was a fast play. The game happens really quickly. But if you say that the officials just didn't call it and they didn't want to call it there, then I think we've got a separate conversation. And nobody – look, you and I, we're never going to hear the true story from the officials because they're not forced to talk about it and the league's not going to say anything about it. But everyone trying to react and be like, well – do we have replay on all these penalties and what's that going to impact and blah, 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 blah. I think you go back and you find out why they didn't throw the flag. And then from there you make an adjustment because bad calls happen all the time. And the thing that we got to do just in, in terms of all sports and at all levels with officiating is understand, yeah, they're human. They're going to make mistakes. But let's find a way to help the officials not make mistakes going forward. And that's that's my one takeaway at this point. Yeah, and we all know, anyone who saw it, it was a terrible call. It should have been called. More than likely, the Saints win the game. You're assuming they hit the field goal. It's a short field goal. I'm assuming they will. Maybe the Rams have a little time left to go down the field. But being there, did you get that sense when it happened? Wow, uh, I don't know if the Saints are going to recover. Because, again, they did go to overtime and they did have the ball first. So when the play happened... And you're there, and you sense the environment. Did you feel they're not winning this game? Yes. Right away. Uh, right away, because it was that impactful, even in the crowd. Uh, so on, on the, if the play is called, then I, I've already done the math. The, the Saints with the Rams had one timeout. Let's say they do take a knee. Although I know Sean Payton had said, uh, I guess before the first down play, he wanted to score a touchdown. But I think at that point, first and goal, they're probably taking a knee or running the ball or basically trying to burn it down. The Rams would have gotten the ball down a field goal uh, with 20 seconds left to go in the game at, let's say, their own 25-yard line. I mean, Adam, I can't think of any situation where a team has scored in that scenario. Oh, wait, that, that happened the year before, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah. So, I mean, that, that was kind of the irony here is that – and that was the other thing, too. If you go back to the year before with the Saints – Marcus Williams doesn't commit the penalty because he got there too early because he was worried about pass interference. And they end up losing the game off of that. And then this year, the Rams guy goes over there and he's like, he had nothing, no choice but to interfere. 
and it doesn't get called. It's ironic. But yes, to answer your question, there was just this, oh, great. You know, that the game should be over. This shouldn't be happening. And yeah, you got to get over that, but they needed more time to get past it. And then, then they got into, I mean, even go to the overtime on second down, they run the ball with, or with Ingram. He gets stopped. There's no whistle. He ended up losing like five or six yards. And very uncharacteristically, I saw Breeze just go into the official and, and complaining, like, why wasn't it stopped? Next play, it's intercepted. So they, they mentally were out of, um, out of their game there once, once that play happened. And, and it's a shame because, to me, I thought it was a, it was a very good game back and forth. Um, I don't think either team played particularly well, uh, to be honest with you. But it's a shame that it that it ended on that controversy as opposed to um, even as opposed to, hey, it's an incomplete pass. The Saints kicked the field goal and then the Rams have to come down the field and tie it. I feel bad that it happened under that circumstance because it's not good for either team. What did you think the Saints didn't do right the entire game because they had the early lead and they just could never extend it? You know what went wrong for them? Well, they didn't punch it in the end zone and just really put the Rams in a, a very difficult spot. People say 13 to zero, but the reality is they went up 13, nothing. And then the Rams scored on the next drive after they, they did the fake punt, um, which I, th- I thought was, that was a, a big play in the game where the saints really should have known, Hey, we've got them in a bad spot. You got a sense that the Rams are going to do something there because you know, the Rams with, with Hecker that, that he's able to, to throw the ball. They've run those, those fakes a lot with him, but they didn't – getting into the end zone, you, know, you look at the red zone spot um, opportunities they had on the first drive and then the second drive after the turnover, not getting touchdowns there I think was a big deal. And then the running game just wasn't, wasn't around, and that was true for the Saints the last month and a half of the season. Their offensive line, nobody talked about the fact that they were really banged up. You had uh, Teron Armstead playing with the torn pack, Andrews Pete was not the same down the stretch uh, with his broken hand. Unger was banged up a lot. They couldn't run the football. And the, the Saints don't have a viable tight end. We saw Josh Hill get hurt. That's a good target to, to beat up the Rams. They had him early. He had a big play, and he, he went out of the concussion. Um, so they didn't have a threat there. And, you know, the Saints' second and third receivers just haven't been able to get enough separation throughout the season, or at least down the stretch. And I, I felt like... That finally caught up to them, uh, and, and you add up to the fact that they couldn't run the ball. Um, that had a big play. But, you know, credit golf and credit the Rams. There was a huge play at the end of the first half where they got Cooks up against the Saints' worst cornerback in P.J. Williams, and it was a big play. Golf made a perfect throw, uh, dropped it in perfectly. The, the coverage wasn't that bad. But they got down there. That's when Gurley scored. And, you know, it was almost as if when you needed a big play in the game, the Rams made it. And in close games like that, it's going to come down to one or two plays. And and it seemed like the Rams made the bigger plays than the Saints. And the Saints had to settle for those field goals. Joined by Steve Werner, ScoutDFS.com. Looking ahead to the Super Bowl, it feels like people don't have a strong stance on this game. Uh, they think it's going to be close. Uh, what is your outlook for the game on Sunday? I think the Patriots kill them. Oh, there we go. I did. Now, is this because you're rooting <laughs> against the Rams pretty heavily? You no, clearly, you clearly it, are, right? I mean, you're rooting against the Rams, let's be honest, right? 
Not heavily. Uh, you know, honestly, from from my from my Saints fandom perspective, you're more I mad at the officials. Uh, yeah, you're mad at the officials. We're, we're we're mad at Goodell. Look, we're we're still mad at Goodell because of Bounty Gate. Um, let, let's be real here. We, we hate him and, and the whole NFL for that sham. But the I, I want to play Brady in the Super Bowl. The, the Saints have had three devastating playoff losses uh, against the Niners, the Vikings, and now the Rams. And in all three cases, Tom Brady ended up making the Super Bowl and losing. So Brady has said he's going to come back. I, I get it and all that. But I just want some scenario where, where Brady does come back and, and plays next year. And if, he, if the Saints play him in the Super Bowl next year, I don't want him to have to be on – a third straight game where he might lose a third in a row. So I want him to win this year. Uh, but no, I, I don't have anything against the Rams. I, I just think part of it is I look back and I say teams in the playoffs, when they win in kind of dramatic or controversial fashion in history, the following week have, have really come out and, and just laid an egg. Uh, the Vikings did it last year. Green Bay did it a couple of years ago when they had that dramatic win against, uh, against your Cowboys. And then they went into Atlanta and got steamrolled. And I think that New England's going to be a little bit smarter about uh, keeping their offense on the field and sustaining drives than the Saints were offensively. And the Rams' defense, as I heard you talking about before, if we go back a little bit here, before the NFC Championship game, there were two narratives on the Rams. One, their defense maybe hasn't been as good as people think it should be with all the names they have. And they have a weakness once you get down to the third defensive back and they get a weakness at the linebacker level. And I look at New England and I say, well, their strength is going to be passing to James White. You got Rex Burkhead back involved. I'm not as high on Gronk as, as you are, but certainly the matchup is really good there. And I just think that Brady is going to be able to dink and dunk underneath, get first down, keep the drives really long. And then on the flip side, the other narrative is Jared Goff just has not been really good down the stretch. I know he made a couple big plays at times in, in the Saints game, but um, I trust Belichick with, with two weeks' time to be able to, to really limit them. The more I look at it, I think Gilmore is going to shut down or at least limit Brandon Cooks. And Adam, I know he's not on the injury report, but Todd Gurley is not right. Todd Gurley clearly, in my opinion, had he either had the knee scoped or something – and maybe he's not injured per se, but he's not a hundred percent. He's not the same guy. And I just I think that New England is finally going to have a game where in the Super Bowl where they they actually come away and they win by more than than ten points. So I'm on the Patriots side. Um, I'll be the first one to admit if, if I'm dead wrong and, and I hear all the logic that the Rams maybe are the better team. I just think that New England's going to blow them out. Yeah, and I, I was thinking the same thing with Gurley. Pretty much all week, and then you know the whole not being on the injury report thing is a big deal because if they find out that he is injured, they have to pay a big price. But he, it doesn't make sense to me because C.J. Anderson obviously had big games. He wasn't doing anything last week. It's one thing if C.J. Anderson was out there and, and running through the Saints, he did nothing. So you didn't. It's not like well, we went with the better player, C.J. Anderson. What, 2.8 yards per carry? I mean, he wasn't doing anything, and he's not involved in a passing game. So it was real perplexing to me that Gurley wasn't out there, even with the early drop that led to an interception, another drop. Like, when you add everything together, it just doesn't make sense for me because they almost lost that game. And, and what are you saying after if you lose that game and Gurley had five touches? Exactly. And not only that, but even when the, the times when Gurley was on the field, 
it, it didn't seem, I had to double check the numbers, but it didn't seem like he was even involved in, in a, in a pass catching role. And, and he should have been, he should have been the target at least to, um, to be, to be a threat there. It was really, you know, at times they were able to really just exploit the same secondary when golf was able to get out of the pocket and, and buy some time on, on kind of scramble plays. But yeah, they, they didn't excel offensively in that spot. And there, there's clearly, there's clearly something limiting him. Um, now, I mean, yeah, he could come out this week and, and, and maybe they're saving him up and he's had plenty of rest if he did have something done to his knee. And, you know, time is going to heal it because he hasn't been on it that much. But I, I just, I'm going off what we've seen, not just one week now, but really the better part of a month and a half, almost two months. And he, he's not the same guy. Um, I, I would lean more on, on the, uh, the passing game for, for the Rams this week. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think that it, it, the difference in the game is going to be, in my opinion, that the Rams defense is not going to be able to get off the field on third down. Yeah, and that was a problem for the Chiefs. What is the scenario where you can see the Rams winning this game? What do they have to do? They have to get turnovers. So they they can probably get away with the fact that, that maybe they're not getting off the field if you know if they're able to get a tip ball or force turnovers. And so I think that that defense, you know, people say opportunistic, which is a word that I kind of hate to describe a defense, but um, they're they're going to have to be that. And we know that you know Donald is Donald's going to get pressure a couple times on Brady. Um, I heard someone talking about the fact that okay, well Belichick's going to find a way to take away. Donald, because he's the, the best player. Good luck. I mean, Aaron Donald, he, he's a complete freak. He's going to get to Brady a couple times, um, or maybe he'll his pressure will allow Sue or Fowler to get in there. And when that happens, the Rams are going to have to get a turnover and probably have to score with their defense. And I think that if they're able to do that, you know, you go back to the game last year with the Eagles, the, the really the play that, that sealed that game uh, was when they were able to get the turnover late on Brady because I think everyone in the world thought, okay, here we go. Brady's going to go down the field and he's going to score. And the Eagles, they got the turnover there deep in the Patriots zone, and that really kind of sealed the game. New England, or excuse me, the Rams, to me, their defense is going to have to force turnovers this week. And so, um, yeah, from a, a betting perspective, a couple of the props I like are the Rams' defense to score. Um, and then even you, you're going to have to see golf have a really big game, in my opinion. He's going to have to statistically shine for the Rams to, to win this game. Before we let you go, DraftKings is rolling out these games where you can play the second half and the fourth quarter. What are your thoughts on these games, and will you play in them? Probably uh, the second half one I might, just because you, you're going to have a long halftime, and um, I'm not really going to be interested in the halftime, so you're going to be <laughs> going to be bored and look for something to do there. Fourth quarter is a little bit harder, but I would say one thing to look at on both of them is you want to do more of the stack. And on the full showdown slate, and, and I'm doing a write-up on it, will be up tomorrow on this. I'm, I'm pointing out a couple things on it. It is like lottery, so you want to do contest selection to make sure you're in something that isn't 300,000 people picking six guys. But look to stack, especially in that fourth quarter, um, you know, because you're talking about limited possessions and you want to get, let's say a team does have to go the length of the field, you want to get all the yardage and, and stats from that. So stack as much as you can. And when I say stack, do five guys uh, completely from one team. Don't be afraid even to do the defense if you do that fourth quarter uh, lineup for sure. 
but I'll probably do a second half one just based on the flow of the game overall. Um, but overall, I'm leaning on the under in the game. Uh, I think that New England's going to eat up time of possession, and it's it's going to be the James White show. And it, I, I think Rex Burkett is, is very sneaky this week as well. All right, that is Steve Renner. You can find him at scoutdfs.com along with his write-up for the game. Thanks a lot, Steve, and enjoy the Super Bowl. All right, you too, Adam. Take care. When we return, we will wrap up the show and the week taking a look at the night in NBA DFS. It is Scout Fantasy Sports on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. This world is coming to Scout Fantasy Sports here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Again, our new time weekdays, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. You can check me out, ScoutFantasySports.com, because I want you guys to win. In order to do that, you need to check out our Fantasy Baseball Draft Kit. In-depth team profiles from Sean Childs, one of the best high-stakes players around. He has already completed the American League. He's going through the National League now. Atlanta Braves and Miami Marlins, the latest teams up. Dr. Otto has a look at the Super Bowl. We have a Vegas Whispers article on the Super Bowl sharp prop bets. And I'm continuing to do different articles on baseball players. Today, Jamison Tyon, taking a look at him. We've seen him go high in drafts. Should you pay that price? I break it down for you. I also took a look recently about a lot of players changing teams. A.J. Pollock, what is his value now with the Dodgers? Yasiel Puig with the Reds. Nelson Cruz with the Twins. So, ton of articles to catch you up as you need some time to kill waiting for the Super Bowl. So, check it out. ScoutFantasySports.com. Promo code BATS50 gets you 50% off your first two months. And ScoutDFS.com, if you sign up for hoops, 50% off NBA DFS your first month, includes the optimizer. At the game, just got a gut feeling. No problem. Now you can bet from anywhere, anytime, with the all-new MyBookie mobile betting platform. With the MyBookie mobile platform, you'll enjoy the safety and convenience of at-home betting when you're on the go. Try it out today, and you'll never miss another winning bet. Head on over to mybookie.ag and open an account with the promo code FNTSY, and mybookie will match your deposit up to $1,000. Yes, that's right, $1,000. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. And maybe you just don't know who to bet, VegasWhispers.com. They will help you out. You can look at the prop bets, and they will also give you some insight on the lines and who to go with so uh you can check that that out today as well let's take a look at the night in nba dfs it's a light friday night uh only five games on the slate there are a ton of games tomorrow and then obviously a light day on sunday with the super bowl three games which will all be over before the super bowl begins so as always pay attention to the late minute news you can go in the slack chat on scout 
DFS.com leading up to lineup lock because we still have a lot of questions on the slate today. So remember, we give you a general outline and guide, maybe some building blocks, but it can quickly change as the day goes along based on injuries, players being ruled out. So I know it did change a bit for me yesterday and uh, probably should have stayed away from a lot of the Dallas Mavericks value and probably had a little bit too much. I was also very uh, big on Kawhi Leonard yesterday, and he disappointed. So the good thing about TFS, it's a new day today. We wipe the slate clean and start from scratch and try to win that money. Let's take a look at some of the news for tonight's game. Mike Conley, he's got a sore left knee. He did not participate in the shoot-around this morning, and he is questionable for tonight's game against the Hornets. So hopefully we'll have an update later on the afternoon. Uh, This is a 7 p.m. Eastern game, so there is a chance that he doesn't play, and that kind of sucks. Conley has been playing very well lately, and I was considering using him today. So you'll probably see Shelvin Mack play a lot of point guard Javon Carter as well so we'll have to wait and see if that is value that we want to go with Steven Adams sat out the last game with a right ankle injury he is expected to play tonight against Miami Uh, that game was Tuesday so he's had a couple days to rest he did practice in full yesterday and Billy Donovan said that was a positive step so again we should know early on with Adams who rarely misses a game We have to really try and figure out what to do with the Knicks tonight. Obviously, they made the trade yesterday, sending Chris Tapp's Porzingis to Dallas. Dennis Smith, DeAndre Jordan, and Wes Matthews will not play for the Knicks tonight. They're going against the Celtics, so it's not surprising. It was just official last night, so there's no Trey Burke, no Tim Hardaway, no Courtney Lee as they were all traded. So the Knicks are going to be very, very thin tonight. And a similar situation to Dallas last night. So uh, we're probably looking at Alonzo Trier, uh, Damian Donson, uh, Noah Vonley. So the key is here, can this game stay competitive against Boston? So we'll get to that. Jaron Jackson Jr., he has a right quad injury. He is questionable for tonight's game. Uh, He was questionable on Wednesday, and he did play. That was illness. He played 22 minutes and fouled out, and that's been the biggest problem for him. He can't keep his hands to himself. He's in continuous foul trouble. Definitely has some big upside, but that's always a reason why, for me, it's difficult to play him. Definitely not in cash games. Tournaments, I have used him here or there, but it's just frustrating because uh, he just gets in too much foul trouble. So, obviously, if Conley's out, that will help him a little bit, but we have to see if he plays. And Omri Caspi, he has been ruled out for uh, the Grizzlies tonight as well. Let's take a look at the slate. We kick it off with the first game of the night. Grizzlies at the Hornets, 7 p.m. Eastern. Vegas total, 204.5. And the Hornets are favored by 6 in this one. So uh, Mike Conley obviously is the big question mark right now. If he does play, um, I'm a little worried because of this knee soreness, but Shelvin Mack would obviously become a really good value. Uh, he is 3500 on DK, 3500 on FanDuel, so he'll be a popular play. And uh, that might be, depending on what happens with the rest of the slate, I still might play. I mean, in cash, he'll be popular for sure. Uh, FanDuel, you have the lowest score drop, so you can probably get him in there. So not a must play, but I'm leaning towards playing him right now. Uh, the other guy that I might look at because of the price and if Conley's out, he could see a big uptick is Kyle Anderson. He's 4,400 on DK, 5,600 on FanDuel. 
Uh, Mark Gasol has uh, been up and down this year. Obviously, he'd get a little bit of a boost with Conley out, but then again, he doesn't have Conley feeding the ball, so I'm not really looking at him tonight. He's 7,800 on DK, 8,200 on FanDuel, so uh, I've been generally staying away from him lately. The one time I did use him, uh, it was a dud, so really not loving him tonight. For the Hornets, you can consider Kemba Walker in tournaments. I'm probably not going there. I don't think he'll be highly owned. But he's really the only guy that I look at, and I haven't played him much lately. He's 8,100 on DK, 8,600 on FanDuel. So everyone else, I really don't play a lot of Hornets. Uh, I just not a team that I tend to look at. You know, Nicholas Batum's price has gone down, but he hasn't been great. He's had a couple good games here and there. So uh, there's really nothing intriguing on this team, and it's a low total and slow-paced game against the Grizzlies. So uh, really not interested in that game. And it's always good. Well, for me, since I play on the late swaps where if you don't have much exposure to the first game or none, it allows you a little bit more time to maneuver if you get some news on the later games. The Celtics at the Knicks, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. How will the guarding crowd treat Kyrie Irving? Because he is um, going to be cheered by the garden today. So... Um, you should uh, see how that response is going to be. And Kyrie kind of made it clear that he is uh, not going to uh, really commit to Boston. He's going to make the best personal decision for him. So the Vegas total, 13. Celtics are favored. And the Vegas total is 216. So uh, Irving is expected to play after sitting out a couple games. The problem is the blowout factor here. Now, again, Kyrie could put up big numbers before the blowout. I mean, it's a great matchup. I mean, he should destroy and i've mentioned this uh predicting blowouts can be bad um we've seen many times we're predicting blowouts i mean there were people last night who said well i don't want to touch the detroit dallas game dallas has no one it's going to be a blowout dallas was leading that game most of the way and it stayed close to the end now it's a big disparity between the celtics and the knicks celtics are way better and even without Irving, they probably destroyed the knicks so i think Kyrie Irving will probably be low owned uh, 10-5 on FanDuel, 9,600 on DraftKings, but you have to understand uh, that this game could blow out. So I would not use him in cash. Uh, if you do a lot of lineups, I think you could look at him in tournaments. When the Celtics are completely healthy, I really don't play a lot. Uh, I have been playing Al Horford a lot lately, but the price has gone up slightly, and it could happen. What happened the other night? I played Horford the other night, and he had a good game. He had 40 out points at 24 minutes, but it was a blowout, so he was taken out early. So it's really tough. Uh, I might play Kyrie Irving in one tournament lineup, but I just don't like a lot of the Celtics tonight. Uh, I think it's a pretty... I don't love this slate so far for my initial look at it. Uh, for the Knicks, uh, we're going to be looking at some value here. Alonzo Trier, I like. He sh I'm hoping he starts. 5,400 on DK, 4,000 on FanDuel. Damian Dotson has to be in play. 37 on DK, 36 on FanDuel. Hazonia, who's actually been playing, you know, 30 plus minutes lately, 42 on DK, 44 on Fandle. I don't want to have too many Knicks. There's a lot of value here, but uh, I want to see exactly how many players they have. They have one of the lowest totals of the slate. Uh, Luke Cornett could be back, so that could change things as well. But these guys are going to play a lot of minutes. So Hazonia is probably someone I'm looking at. Um, Dotson and uh, like Trier on Fandle at 4,000. I think Trier has big upside. Kevin Knox will play a lot of minutes, but he just really hasn't done much. Um, you know, if he's not hitting his shot, he doesn't do enough in other areas. So uh, I wouldn't 
I don't want too many Knicks based on what I see right now. I don't think I'm going to have too many. Yes, there's some value, but be careful uh, because this is a spot where they could get blown out. But again, they're going to play big minutes. Thunder at the Heat, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Vegas total, 219.5. Thunder favored by five. Again, Steven Adams is probably going to play tonight. Uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George are always in play. They just, uh, Paul George, I play a lot. He tends to go over owned. He, I mean, low owned. He's cheaper than Westbrook. So, it is a tough uh, spot here tonight against the Heat. Uh, I just I don't know if it's going to be a very high scoring game, but they're always in play. Eleven six for Westbrook on Fanduel, eleven on DK. Paul George eleven four on Fanduel, so the prices gap is closed on Fanduel. Ninety nine hundred on DraftKings. So Adams always worth the look in uh, tournaments. Dwayne Wade listed as probable for the Heat. The Heat are another team. I, I've kind of stopped playing them. Hassan Whiteside just doesn't play enough minutes. He gets pulled for defensive lapses. So Whiteside has tremendous upside. And this is a smaller slate. He'll be low only because of the minutes. And if he ever gets 28, he could explode. He could even do it in 25. I don't think I'm going there tonight, but in tournaments, certainly you could take a look. They're, the Heat are generally healthy right now. I've kind of just stayed away from them. I haven't really used them much. Uh, Justin Wislow, maybe, but... I don't like a lot here. So you're probably wondering, who the hell are you playing tonight? Uh, Atlanta is at Utah, 9 p.m. Eastern. Jazz favored by 11. Vegas total 227. Uh, Hawks have uh, coming off a bad loss against Sacramento. I uh, don't like much on the Hawks side. Maybe Trey Young and D- GPPs. For Utah, again, can this game stay close? Uh, Rudy Gobert was really distraught about not making the All-Star team. Saw something today that he was like near tears in the press conference or was in tears. So if you like the narrative, uh, Rudy Gobert could absolutely smash tonight. His teammates weren't happy about it either, so they could feed him quite a bit, and he could go ham tonight. So he's 85 on DK, 9,200 on FanDuel, and I pretty much like him all the time. So uh, Gobert is definitely my favorite play. I would consider Rubio in tournaments. I think on Yahoo I was looking, and he's 20 bucks. He's 61 on DK, 6,300 on FanDuel. Uh, Donovan Mitchell's price has just gone up so much that it's really difficult to play him considering that this could be a blowout. So Rudy Gobert is my favorite play there. And Houston at Denver, that's a game we're probably going to get a lot of exposure to. Uh, Denver favored by four and a half. Vegas total two twenty six and a half. And uh, Kenneth Fareed has been playing well. James Harden, even with Chris Paul back, has crushed. Chris Paul is expected to play. He might still be on a minutes restriction, but maybe he gets closer to 30 tonight. They do potentially plan on resting him tomorrow with the back-to-back. Uh, Harden is very expensive, uh, but if you believe in that Knicks value, you might be able to fit him in at 12-9 on DK, 13-6 on Fandle. Fareed's price has gone up, but he's been crushing it. 69 on DK, 7,900 on Fandle. For Denver, my favorite player, and everyone will love him, love him, Monty Morris. I played him on Yahoo the other night. He was 10 bucks, 51 on DK, 4,500 on Fandle. Play him. Jamal Murray's out. Nikola Jokic, definitely in play tonight. He's 10-8 on DK, 11-5 on Fandle. He's one of my favorite plays. And Will Barton has crushed me lately, but I think I might go back to him in this spot. 6,600 on DK, 65 on Fandle. So... Our optimizer uh, does like Kyle Anderson is one of the plays right now. But remember, you got to hit refresh because things change as the night goes along. That wraps it up here. You can check me out, scoutfantasysports.com. Use the promo code BATS50. Get 50% off your first month. And scoutdfs.com, hoops50, gets you 50% off your first month of NBA DFS. Hope you guys enjoy the Super Bowl. I'll be back Monday here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.